This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 222 on a Wednesday night, May the 20, not 22nd, 31st. Uh, so I get got my dates mixed up. Welcome back. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for over two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors since 1995. Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. You can find them at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill. Give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to their website, alacofinewoodfloors.com. Gentlemen, oh, timeout. Will's calling a timeout. What are you wearing, Billy? <laughs> okay, it's not orange. It's more of a peach color. Mm. It's. I don't believe I, you. I, One bit. We don't do camera, orange. But Thank God I'm not wearing the Dansby Swanson jersey Trevor wanted me to wear. <laughs> I would be going ballistic right now. Oh man, I, I forgot this. I was probably going to get some shit for this. Uh, totally, it's it's more, it's more of a peach, Shame. like a mix of red, orange, Shame. and maybe some yellow. But uh, man, I, I'm never going to live this. Trevor, Shame. you're muted, by the way. <laughs> Game of Thrones shame. I right I was muted because I was like pulling up the <laughs> the Twitter stream like I did last week, and I didn't want it to like echo. I didn't want to party foul again, and I just oh, was God. talking. I was just talking without my mic on. <laughs> but with that being somehow... said, I was I was saying just take your shirt off and pod shirtless. It's it's regional time, baby. <laughs> That's the only reasonable thing to do in the situation, in my opinion. But I'm not the guy to do that, though. That's either one of y'all two. Oh, I think, I think you are, Billy. I Billy, think you are. you're selling yourself short. <laughs> that would be an unbelievable moment in this podcast history. Trevor, that's all you, brother. That, that's all you. I wish I had a shirt today. Maybe at the regionals, if we get a walk-off, I'll strip. But <laughs> <laughs> Will, how that's, quick that's, did that's you... That's the only time. How, when did you think about, about the color of my shirt? Like right when we got on? Immediately. The the moment I saw you, I wanted to interrupt, but you jumped into the Alaco read, and I couldn't interrupt <laughs> that. So as soon as I could, I called a I called a Al Horford timeout and had the, to uh, had to let you know. The best part about this, though, is that we have more audio viewers than video viewers, I hope at least. <laughs> Maybe we're getting more video viewers now, but man, I, I, feel, like, I feel like shit right now. But You should. nonetheless we got a lot to get into guys the latest on tyron lawrence even if it's nothing really to report on 
Uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit about that. Vanderbilt football kickoff times for the four non-conference games have been released, and one of them is is really weird and interesting, but kind of cool Gross. at the same at the same time. Um, Vanny boys win the SEC title. I feel like that's just sort of a another peg in in uh, in the Vanny boys history. Uh, Hawkins Field renovations, unbelievable. I mean, some of the pictures and and vi- that video. Was I got chills watching that? <laughs> it may be kind of emotional. Yeah, I mean that was that was that was special. So, and then we'll preview the Nashville regional. But uh, well, vibes are pretty high. Vibes are staying high. It feels like the news just keeps getting better. Dude, eighty Candace Story Lee. First thing, Ooh, I mean, high. the first thing, yeah, it, I've got to get to is the baseball is Hawkins Field renovations. I mean, that is another thing that we were talking about. Yeah, you might have heard. A few rumors here and there, but another instance of Vanderbilt fans being surprised by renderings Mm. and real plans and real funding versus just talk. Once again, finally getting, instead of just having the barren landscape of the football stadium next to Hawkins Field in that cool setup, actually having a banner from the renderings that says Vanderbilt across it, putting seats on top of the left field wall. I mean, in, in the home run section, that that's phenomenal. Everything about those renderings was unique. And I can't remember, I wish I would have bookmarked the tweet, but one account said something about renovations and new stadiums that college football teams and, and overall athletic programs are doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them feel soulless or corporate and feel yeah, like more like professional stadiums. And these Vanderbilt renderings so far have been the opposite of that. They've been modernization of what Vanderbilt currently has, which has been long overdue, but Vanderbilt now seems to be going above and beyond. And man, what a time to be a Vanderbilt Commodore fan. You have to take the dubs where they come. Mm-hmm. An SEC championship immediately followed by the release of those Hawk and Fields renderings. You, you just have to step back for a second and say, things are going well. I'm not going to dwell on what the Celtics did in game seven versus the Miami Heat. I'm just going to live through the Vanderbilt Commodores right now. So Trevor, I know you had a great tweet about meet me at the top of the green dude, monster inside Hawkins Field. And that dude, was exactly if, my emotions when I saw what it. What I'm just saying, like, what if we kissed on top of the monster? <laughs> what like what if? I oh, mean, man. those it how do I how do I put this? Trevor can't even speak. It well in two, like it's so beautifully well done. And like, I don't like Hawkins field is obviously gorgeous. And I can't stop thinking about sitting on top of the monster. Like it's, it's living rent free in my brain, but also <laughs> like whenever I saw that Jess Neely was shut down too. And like, we finally got some little like glimpses of that. I mean, Oh my God. Like it, it I mean, it's it's really like I saw who was it? Um, I think it was Justin Kirby said uh, on Twitter. He he was like, I'm getting kind of emotional watching this, and I was like, brother, get in line because goodness, <laughs> I feel like every every Vandy Boys fan who saw that, like I was texting my dad, like I sent him the. He's not like tapped in on Twitter like I am. He like he gets all of this like he gets most of his news from Twitter. But I sent him the the tweet, and he was like, oh my god. And I asked him, my dad has been a Vanderbilt fan since the mid-60s. And I was like, did you ever think that there would come a day to where we would get renovations to First Bank, formerly known as Vanderbilt Stadium, the Hawk, 
and Memorial. And he's like, never in my wildest dreams did I think like this would happen. Never, no. ever, ever. Like he was, we were talking about it. He remembers the days at Hawkins to where like the, there was like a porta potty on top of the dugout. Like it was <laughs> like Hawkins field was a dump in like the nineties and before. Yeah. And that's and, not too long ago, honestly. Like, well, and too, I was going through the quote tweets and the replies on the original tweet. And I totally agree. There were some people in there saying that this is nicer than some major league baseball stadiums. And I totally agree. If you guys have ever been to Guaranteed Rate Field uh, in the south side of Chicago, that's awful. I, and that's putting it lightly. The, the Hawkins Field right now is like maybe a little bit better than it, but mm. with the new renovations, I mean, goodness. And they deserve it. Talk about a program like I, we're obviously football first. Football drives everything in the south, and we love Vanderbilt basketball. But talk about a program that deserves it. Like, yeah. Nobody in America deserves this more than the Vandy boys. And man, shout out to Candace Story Lee. Shout out to Deer Meyer. I feel like we shout him out every pod, but like Will said, the last pod, the hits just keep coming. Like it's, the it's, thunder just keeps rolling, man. It's crazy. I, and you you said you I don't know if you said this directly, Trevor, but I kept thinking of the phrase too good to be true. But it just it doesn't, it doesn't it, feel real. It doesn't, but I, I keep saying it's like they put you put renderings out. Like that's what you're getting. Like, like populace yeah. isn't gonna put something out there. Maybe they make slight adjustments, but like this isn't you can't even say this is too good to be true. That's what it feels like, but like yeah. this is happening. Like that yeah. that's why it's it's sort of hard to wrap your mind around it still. It was not that long ago. And let, let me take a step back. I went to my first soccer match at, at ever. In my whole life, whatever age you want to say, I'd never been to a soccer match at the Nashville SC Geodis Park. It was a great experience. I cool stadium. It was about six years ago in 2017 that there were real serious talks about Vanderbilt partnering with Nashville SC and moving the football stadium off campus. These were real <sighs> discussions. Like there are Tennessean articles you can go back. I sent quotes from AD David Williams. I still have it in my email inbox to where I was sending David Williams emails saying like keep the football yes, stadium on please campus. Please do not do this. And a lot of people there thought were articles. There were renderings, uh, and they ended up building the stadium out pretty much the same as mm -hmm. it would have been otherwise. I imagine they would have expanded the seating a little bit if Vanderbilt would have fully gone through. But there were renderings of the park with Vanderbilt included in the idea. I wish I would have done better research and been able to view those articles, but I'm not going to pay for the Tennessean uh, to be <laughs> able to read quotes from those articles, unfortunately. But that was not that long ago. And you go that quickly from that to doing a full renovation of Vanderbilt Stadium, First Bank Stadium redoing Hawkins and that was what I think we were so afraid of is right now it has never been done properly but Vanderbilt has one of if not the coolest setup for all three major sports in that kind of trifecta that they have set up literally with the football stadium overhanging the baseball stadium and that left field green monster being built on Memorial I mean, that is one of the coolest setups in the middle of downtown Nashville. And they yeah. almost moved the football stadium off campus six years ago. I just yeah. want to emphasize that because look at how far we have come. Malcolm Turner, with this administration. Candace Story Lee, with this administration, yeah. Candace Story Lee, Tommy. 
yeah. over there. I don't want to. I don't want to emphasize that, but it's everybody involved. I'm going to miss names if I continue to name them off. We shout them out every single mm-hmm. podcast. But it's phenomenal what they have accomplished in, sh- in such a short time period. When in the previous yeah. 40 years, the administrations had not been able to accomplish this. I'll say this too, and I don't want to like I don't want to be a negative Nelly, but the, like you said, the hits just keep coming, and it's. It's not like Candace Story Lee has been in charge of Vanderbilt Athletics for that long. It's not like Chancellor Deermeyer has been on campus that long. They've been here mm-hmm. for a very short time. And the fact that and I don't want to I don't want to diminish what they're doing, but the fact that they're doing things like so quickly, like it feels like every six months there's like a huge project that Vanderbilt's doing. It it just makes me think like how terrible Nick Zeppos was that yep, dude. that like that indoor practice facility that we have now, like that was like his, that was his magnum opus. Like he and was James like, Franklin and James Franklin was on him all over him just to get that. Like James Franklin had to like, I don't know how long it took him, but he was on top of him for that. Yeah. So that that's a good point, Trev. I, I like both spectrums. Will, Giving credit to this administration, Trevor bashing Nick Zeppos. I like that's both sides of the <laughs> credit to Deermeyer. That's a name we don't say say enough. Yeah, dude, Deermeyer. Right. If you Deermeyer. bash Zeppos, you have to give credit credit to Deermeyer <laughs> to say, My look at how quickly things can turn. Thank you, thank you, King. We appreciate you, <laughs> King King Deermeyer. But no, guys, there's a lot to get into. We, we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about those those renderings that that were released today. Uh, so perfect timing. Uh, Tyron Lawrence, there's not much of latest there. Uh, John Rothstein put a tweet out. We'll talk about that. Uh, maybe sneak peek something. Uh, and then uh, Nashville Regional Preview. Before we do all that, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, real quick before we talk a little bit more about Tyron Lawrence, um, mark your calendars for June 6th. I know I put this in our group chat, but... George Plaster's next sports speaker series is next week, Tuesday, June the 6th at the Fordyce Center in Bellevue. It's on the second floor inside the restaurant and bar from 1130 to 1245 p.m. So on your lunch break, our guest will be Vanderbilt AD Candace Lee. And you are invited to this free event. Anyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Anyone can come. Lunch is available to purchase. Uh, if you want to reserve seats, uh, just email plastergeorge at gmail.com, trying to spread the word to everybody. Because I think it's going to be really cool. It's really nice timing. Uh, Will, I know yeah. you said it's an awful time for you. It's not an easy time, really. But 
if you're able to on your lunch break, pop in at noon and then totally go, you know, see yes. for 30, 40 minutes. Candace, you can ask questions at the end. Um, you know, they'll, they'll hopefully be coming off a region regional title. They're coming off an SEC championship title and they're coming off these renderings. So we're going to, we're going to talk a lot about that with Candace and she, she's been really open to, to talking about that with us in the past. So we're going to have that tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, next Tuesday, June the 6th. Uh, yeah. at the Fort I'll I totally say Dolby. this. I'll say Vandy fans, if you can, please totally go to this. Um, I, I believe Billy, I think you said it's, there's like a question answer. Am yeah. I there's going to be a Q and a at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Q&A, you'll get to interact with her. And I and I know recency bias, like like we said, she's just she's doing a great job. But I'll say this as well. If you haven't had the chance to like interact with her in person, she's legitimately like a very, very kind person. Mm-hmm. Like even very if she was doing a terrible job, like I would say that she is an incredibly kind person. Like there was before a basketball game, I was in the bookstore just like buying a sweatshirt. And she was just in there, like just by herself shopping. And I like went up to her and we chit-chatted and she is a very, very nice person. Like, please go meet her. Yeah. Uh, ask her questions, all that stuff. Yeah. Her and a bunch of the athletic employees went down to Hoover for the SEC championship. She took a picture, posted it on Twitter. I mean, that, that's a pretty cool AD to have. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, we cannot take her for granted. We can't take Deermeyer for granted. Uh, Jacob Scholl chimed in here on YouTube. July 16th is Deermeyer's birthday. So we need to remember that. <laughs> Uh, Scott, oh, our, sweet, our sweet German prince. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Yeah, I, Deermeyer was at uh, one of the tailgates uh, for before one of the football games I was at, and he just stopped by. I was talking to fans, and I mean, he's he's a huge sports fan. Like, I, he's a he's a big sports guy. So he's a guy that I wonder if he would like to come on. We we need to DM him, email, find his email. Well, get him on. How cool would that be? Oh, Chancellor, come on. Let's talk ball. <laughs> let's talk ball, Chancellor. So get away, get away from all the academic interviews, all those, all those boring side. Let, let's yeah. come on. Come on, TDR. I don't want to know about ball, STEM. Nah. I want to know what you know about a 3-4 defense, baby. Nah. Are we increasing <laughs> the academic standards enough? Nah. Scholarship nah. distribution. Nah. Let's no. talk ball. Come on, dear Meyer. Let's, let's go talk get into the ball. nitty-gritty. Let's, let's talk go, about – AJ Swan to Will Shepard slant slant route into the end Chaser zone. But, Deermeyer, if you could play any position outside of quarterback, what do you think you would be best suited to play? There we go. Those That's are the kind of hard hitting questions you can expect if you join TDR. Baby. Yes, Let's nothing go. about the academic progress or anything like that. No, all sports. We already but, know uh, it's Harvard of the South. Same goes for the hustler. Yeah, but mark your calendars for June sixth next week, next Tuesday, guys. It's going to be a really fun event. Um, all right, Tyron Lawrence, this isn't much, but John Rothstein came out with a tweet. I think it was yesterday, uh, maybe two days ago, but he said, Tyron Lawrence tells me that he will withdraw from the NBA draft and return to school. He didn't say Vanderbilt, return to school next season. Um, Lawrence, of course, played three years at Vandy. He's also in the transfer portal. So obviously that's not much. That's We all already knew that. But has anything changed in your mind Guys, I mean, we thought it was going to happen this weekend. We thought an announcement was going to come this weekend from Tyron Lawrence. Um, and again, we're not going to break any news. There's no news to break. But has anything changed in your in your minds, Trev? I'll, I'll start with you with with Tyron. I mean, I don't think so. Like, I stay pretty tapped in on boards. I view Texas Tech's board. I've been viewing Kentucky's board. Like, I'm pretty tapped in on the internet. And they're pretty um, negative I, about it. They're not. Uh, the uh the Texas Tech um writer on their site like ba- like said straight up like he's a dork. 
Um, when will he be a door? He has until the 4th of June. He can either say June something 4th, or, yep. or he can just like pop up in the gym. Like it's really up to him. With that being said, I think he's a door. I will say it. I'm, I'm glad he's coming back. Like we can say like, he's probably coming back, but it is kind it is a little frustrating. Is it not like, Maybe I'm just being like a dumb fan, and I think that's totally a possibility. But like, I just I want him back so bad, and I'm so sick of waiting. But then again, it's his decision. It's it's in the hands of him. He can call whenever he wants. So I'm just being an incredibly impatient fan, and I I just want Tyron Lawrence back Memorial. I I don't understand. Okay, so. I think we're all still pretty confident. I don't think anything has really changed, even with the delay. No, he's a hundred percent announcement. That that's how I feel. But what is going on? I, I don't think it's even that we're questioning it being his decision or his timing. Just what benefit is it to him to not to announce, wait? Hey, I'm returning. Is he waiting just to see if there's some last second nil incredibly lucrative offer? from one of these teams that we've seen kind of in the in the running, kind of behind the opaque wall. We've seen Kentucky talked about as a possible destination at one point, and we've seen rumors that Tyron turned down a tour uh, for the Wildcats. But we saw that Sheboy, I think today, pretty recently announced that he's entering the NBA draft. That opens up a scholarship on that mm-hmm. Wildcat roster. Is yeah. that what he's potentially been waiting on that now we'll see? what that very, very passionate Kentucky basketball fan base is willing to offer Tyron Lawrence with that available scholarship. Maybe that's what it is. I don't think that that's necessarily shaken my confidence. I'm still sitting at like 90, 95% as anchor mm-hmm. impact jumps oh in saying stop with the absolute These dudes perfect are such timing. a tease. We they know, to they know how to get me you going. Are, Dude. Oh my God. Here we, here we go. Who runs, here, who runs that me. Like we know, we have to find who runs. Who, that yes, Twitter. yes. Reveal yourself. Reveal Anchor. yourself. Uh, oh I need, we need God. to send them an invite. I'm like hot in bothered now. <laughs> I, I like completely the, even lost what my point of what I was going to say is. That just threw me, threw me for a loop. The chat's regardless already. of the sup. There's something, some, some reason. Something's up. There's some reason he's not. Whether it's a personal reason for no reason at all, other than to have us talk about him on the podcast or he's waiting for another NIL offer, he's waiting for some finalization of the Vanderbilt Anchor Impact Fund NIL offer. But there's some reason that he's not going into the NBA. He's 95% going to be a Vanderbilt Commodore, and we've known that for weeks, a couple Mm -hmm. weeks now, and he still has not announced it personally, and we keep hearing rumors and murmurs, and every single thing that you can possibly think of is pointing in the direction of Tyron Lawrence committing and coming back to Vanderbilt, but we haven't heard it from the horse's mouth. So I'll believe it when I see it, even though I'm 95% confident. We did see the tweet fund anchor impact fund. Do not comment in the chat. If Tyron Lawrence is a Commodore, don't say anything. (laughs) You comment that he's not. And I'll be watching the chat like a hawk. (laughs) If I see you pop up, I'm just going to log off. You Speaking have five of the chat, it's seven. It's seven twenty-five. You have until seven thirty. <laughs> Speaking of the chat, that Vandy fan agrees with you, Will. He said, "I feel like the longer he waits, the more nil money he thinks he can get." And I had a buddy the other day. I was on the phone with him. That's what he brought up too. 
Um, you know, he said maybe he's just waiting to see if he can get any more from Vandy, see if he can get any more from anyone else. Um, I, I don't think that's happening. Um, you know, and somebody else just chimed in here and said, except he's just trying to build anticipation. That could, I mean, he could yeah. just be playing with Vandy fans. He tweeted out in the number 38 yesterday, and somebody somebody sent in the Doorport chat uh, the meaning of the number 38, and it was like <laughs> an angel. Angel numbers. When it, like an angel is speaking to you or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what about, it I don't is. Even, but, and, and Trevor, didn't you find that he's the, somebody said he was the 38th all-time, yeah, number 38 so in the I, all-time scoring list, but apparently that was wrong. No, the main writer for the Texas Tech um, 24-7 board said that Tyron Lawrence is the 38th all-time scorer in Vanderbilt history, um, and he's not. Tyron has 620 points. The number 38 is uh, Billy Joe Attic at, like, 1,600. So Tyron's not even in the top 50 um, when it comes to all-time scoring. What could that number 38 have meant? Bro, I don't know. Some, that's that's what Vandy fans are doing right now. They're trying to read into his tweets and random stuff like that. That's like, well, so they're... funny, and I don't, I don't blame him. Like he, I'm older than him, and if I was he can, in he his can do position, what he wants. I would totally do the same thing. Like if I had like thousands of people in the palm of my hand, like to be honest, like I would, I would do, I would maybe not maybe, I would actually be worse on the internet. <laughs> like I would be so bad. So I can't really blame him. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame the guy, but we'll see what happens with Tyron. Uh, obviously, we saw the John Rothstein tweet. That is the absolute latest. We thought we had the latest last week when uh, this past weekend was going to be Tyron's uh, announcement day, but we'll have to wait and see. Maybe he's waiting for the regional to start on Friday. I, I don't know. We we kept trying to – oh, from somebody said from the Urban Dictionary, number 38, someone who is mad, angry, someone who is not feeling the vibe. Jesus Christ. I'm not, I don't think that's why Tyron tweeted that. No, don't say that. (laughs) Don't say that. So it's either an angel, it's either an angel or it's bad and he's not feeling the vibe. So it's one (laughs) of those two. Or he's the 38th all time scorer in Vanderbilt's all time scoring list. One of those three. So those are the three best options we have right now. We need to get Tyron on after he announces and say, what was number, what was that tweet, number 38? What if he announces at the Hawk first pitch? He throws out the first pitch and like oh. gets the mic and yells, I'm back. Oh <laughs> I would die. I would die right there. Honestly, that I think Vanny fans would be that'd be enough for a lot of Vanny fans. <laughs> it's like I've seen it all in the last like three weeks. <laughs> but uh we'll see about Tyron. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh let's get to some football before we talk baseball, everything going on with baseball. Uh kickoff times for the non-conference slate, all Times are central here. Here we go. Saturday, August 26th, 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. A night game, boys, for the opener against Hawaii. That's the perfect time for that. Somebody said that time slot is magical. I think Jacob Scholl said something about that's a dangerous amount of time for the season opener (laughs) to tailgate before 6.30. Uh, People get locked up. (laughs) And, and then you've got Alabama, Alabama A&M, September the 2nd, 6 o'clock. Uh, that'll be on SEC Network Plus. Wake Forest, Vanderbilt making the trip up to North Carolina. 10 a.m. kickoff on the ACC Network. What in the world is that? Can you explain that to me? <laughs> like, can somebody – I don't – 
Like, I don't I, understand I, that. I think I thought it was more rare than that. Like, I thought it was a mid-major type thing where oh, that's you know, they, might, they might start like a CBS Sports Network game earlier because they've got like four games to play that yeah, day or like something. Yeah, like Air Force versus like uh, Boise Tech of the Blind or something like that. Yeah, at, at 10 a.m. But it's 10 a.m. Central. Like, I like that's the weird – like, that's so – I don't know. Nine we, have a, we have a reasoning behind that. That's my. I was thinking ACC Network TV package, like something they've agreed to, because I I I, I want to look. Maybe they've got a 10 a.m. start on the ACC Network every Saturday, and that's and that week it's Andy. Okay, can I go on a rant for a second? Okay, get finished through this before we. No, I'm I'm good. Last, I'm, last no, I'm, I, okay. I would love to hear Are, your rant. Is it the, about this kickoff? Yeah. Okay. okay. A the reason the only reason I can think of is that matchup is going to get eyes on it at that time slot because there's going to be nothing else going on because we all know that college game day is an absolute shell of what it used to be and a joke compared to what it used to be. That's a really good. So point. a that is probably the reason we we all know it, but that is probably the reason why they are doing that. There's going to be more eyes on it. However, every single time there's a kickoff before 11 a.m. on college football Saturday. It feels wrong. It's like when they play the game in London or do the early kickoff in the NFL. NFL Sunday starts at noon central. Mm -hmm. College football starts at 11 a.m. central, noon Mm -hmm. eastern. That's how it should be. That's how it's supposed to be. You get all the tailgate that everyone wants. 11 a.m. kickoff central time already suck enough much less 10 a.m. Central Time. I understand the viewership numbers, whatever it is, but it's kind of like trying to add all these games at different times. You need some symbolic start to the celebration of the day, and you kind of ruin that when you have a Power 5 matchup non-conference starting before that 11 a.m. time frame. So that was that, that's my big rant on that. I absolutely fucking hate it. Sorry well, I, I was thinking about yeah, going. I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, it makes travel terrible. Like, I, like it makes my, it absolutely my, yeah. terrible. My brother and I, we were like, let's try to go to that. I don't know. It's like not that long of a drive up to Winston Salem. Not anymore. You can kiss that goodbye, wake uh, <laughs> ticket salespeople. I mean, that, that's going to be a poorly attended game. You you talk about 11 a.m. kickoffs for Vandy and Wake games. Think about a 10 a.m. kickoff. Well, I mean, 6 that's gonna be p.m. Wake games are also poorly attended yeah. too. So, but for Wake Vandy, you would think to get the most out of that, you put it at night on the ACC network. Maybe they're just like, all right, let's put it at 10 a.m. Nobody's gonna be watching it anyway. But because yeah, again, I think it's a, I think it's a plot by the ACC network to actually not get viewers because they know a Vanderbilt beatdown is ensuing, and they don't they don't want to see they don't want to see the powerhouse that is Vanderbilt absolutely slaughter the Demon Deacons. Chess they don't want to see one of their smart private schools get absolutely obliterated by the smart by private the other school smart from the SEC in black and gold. They don't want to see Sam, that. Sam Hartman ain't there no more, bozos. Y'all can't do that slow yeah, match. I mean, getting that beaten down. Play, it's over. Getting beaten down by Vanderbilt. <laughs> In a Power Five non-conference matchup, there, there's another level of pride that SEC teams will deny, yeah. but they love to see it. Like yeah. there's something about it, and and I cannot wait for this Vanderbilt season because I don't want to get too confident because that's the worst I, possible thing. So I will say though, talk about something that's like incredibly demoralizing is like getting the hell kicked out of you by Vanderbilt football at 10 a.m. <laughs> like talk about like game like, ends. That is game that ends is at like. Two. 
<laughs> that is a punishment from like the hand of God. Like you were Job in that situation. <laughs> Imagine the wakes st- any wake students that go to that game. It's like two o'clock. You just lost by you just lost by thirty to Vandy. Like what? What do we do all day? Like, like how oh, do well, we? I guess we get a late lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go study for our physics exam on Monday, I guess. Before the but, bars uh, open. <laughs> in Winston-Salem. You have three hours, four hours until you can drown your sorrows in an actual bar <laughs> because they're not ready yet. But that's the thing. I, I heard I heard good things about Winston-Salem and that area. I, w- I mean, I was going to probably really try to – I was going to try to go to that. Not anymore. Not anymore. We'll be watching it. I might miss, miss the first quarter if I sleep in, but – <laughs> no, I'll be I'll be watching that. Um, okay, UNLV. This is a trip. So maybe for some Vandy fans, not going up to Winston Salem, you make the trip over to Vegas for uh, for that game at Allegiant Stadium against UNLV, six o'clock on the CBS Sports Network. That's kind of cool. I mean, yeah. night game in Vegas. I don't think the crowd will be good whatsoever. But I think if you're Vanderbilt, why not make that trip? If you're a Vandy fan, I mean, and you have the money. Because <laughs> I'm poor. I'm a, That's why I'm on a bachelor party that weekend. And, but the in bachelor Vegas? party is and not in Vegas. Oh. Um, shout out to Nathan. I love him. Congratulations on the wedding. But I told him that I'm going to be watching Vanderbilt UNLV. So <laughs> he knows. He's in weddings. It's an insane statement if you just take a step back, but continue. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of weddings, I'm not going to be at the Saturday game if Vanderbilt makes a super. Because I will be at a wedding, in a wedding. So I'll have my phone up during the reception. So Why don't that, that's just, like go to the courthouse? It's my folks did. <laughs> Let's just go to a courthouse. Oh, Nash Vegas just uh, chimed in. He said, Arik and I are rolling to Vegas. <laughs> Arik Goldfinger oh. and Nash. That, is, that the, is that that Bell Mead money? <laughs> that's got to be. That's gotta, Bell gotta, Mead money head to Vegas? <laughs> It's, I don't even think we could scrounge up that much money if we tried. Just the door board. No, My gambling picks not... have not been going well, so I don't think Vegas is the right move for me. But it will be college football season, so maybe if the first few weeks of college football season go well, then I can make the trip to Vegas. So hey, everybody what they... needs to be riding with my picks. Deep pockets, Nash. What did they say last year, Will, over by November or something like that for Vandy? Uh, yep. I, I think, tw- yeah, over by no- I mean, Vandy will be over by Hell, maybe October. Week four. I mean, yeah, week four. So that'll be something to watch. Uh, that's the schedule. Hawaii, August 26th at 6.30. Three night games. I mean, three night kickoffs there of the four non-conference games. Uh, Wake in Winston-Salem at 10 a.m. Never going to live that one down. So we'll uh, we'll keep track of that. A 6.30 kickoff to open the season against Hawaii. Like, like I'm like kind of convulsing thinking about it. Like, I just... Oh God, it's gonna be there's banned really, in lot two. There's really nothing. Nashville Zoo in lot two. Oh my gosh. So when do yeah. they? This is a random question, but when do they? Like, who meets? Or is this the TV networks meeting together and saying, "Here's what time this game is gonna be"? Like, are the teams in on it? Like, I'd love to know. Is that just the SEC making all these decisions? Are coaches involved in this in these meetings at all? Like, do I, they say we? I think I, I would assume based on nothing other than fan knowledge that it's primarily the TV networks at this okay, point. That's, and then you that's have AD involvement. Like I'm sure Vanderbilt in week zero has a little bit more pull than they would in week one yes. to potentially set oh, the start where they point. want it of their mm-hmm. Hawaii game. If they were, it, it depends on the matchups is my guess because there's just no way that it's fully between 
you know, athletic administrators and everything. There's too much money on the line, especially in the SEC. So that would be my guess. But mm -hmm. I've never sat in any of those meetings, and I have absolutely no idea. So there you go. Well, I was just wondering because, <laughs> you know, you would think that night kickoff for Vandy Hawaii, that's probably one of the better day games of the day. So you, you got to put that at night. Like they're not going to put that, uh, you know, in the lunchtime slot or earlier. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We've got a lot more time to talk football, of course. SEC Media Days in July, boys, in Nashville. So maybe uh, we'll have some content there. It's in um, Nashville this year? Yes, it is. I did not know that. You learn something new every day, Trev. Well, it is in like gonna, Nashville. Looks like I'm going to use some PTO time. <laughs> Make a make a sign for Clark and the boys as they walk in. I'll I'll fight the Alabama fan that wears the championship ring. Uh, it's weird. I, I was there last year. I'll challenge it to it, a duel when it was in Atlanta, and there are fans that like 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 forty fifty year old fans that stand out there like waiting for autographs, like for Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Yeah, like, that's a little too much. I'm a big memorabilia guy, but like I wouldn't ask a Vanderbilt player for an autograph. To There's face. a big. I would buy there, it, but I wouldn't. Ask. There is such a fine line in fandom, especially of college athletics. I feel like we toe that line pretty well, but there is a yeah. weird step that gets taken by some of these people the that SEC. I that I like to sit there and like. You do realize these are eighteen yeah. to twenty three, twenty four year old college students, right? Like you, like <laughs> I'm, I'm. You have to come from more of a supportive perspective, and like the memorabilia side is fun to remember. You know, and you have great memories associated with, but some of the Alabama fans, it, it gets odd. It's very well, the odd. Thing about like, it, they view it almost like you do as a kid. Like they're the like, the thing heroes. about it, in most SEC towns, that's their pro team. Like, like Alabama, like yeah, in Nashville, like true. the Titans, it's almost somewhat acceptable if you do it like to Vrabel or one of the Titans players. But Alabama, like, well, not if you're is. a grown man, no, but, sure. but to an extent, like college, it's like, you can't like that's not Nashville is not Vandy's pro town or pro team, you know, but in Alabama or Georgia, I know they got the Falcons, but like Mississippi that they treat it as oh, if like this yeah. is the end all be all like pro team in that city. But it's still really weird when you see that. So I'll, I'll say I'll say this. The only thing that I'm very pro is I'm a big Jersey guy. So in my eyes, if you're like a 60 year old man, and, like, whenever Vanderbilt eventually does, by the grace of God, come out with, like, custom jerseys, if you're, like, a 56-year-old man and you're wearing an A.J. Swan jersey, I think that's the sickest thing in the world. That's just me personally. There's a lot. No, of I have a rule. No, I, I understand that's very, very controversial. I'm I have just a, a rule. huge jersey guy. As long as, the, <laughs> as long as the player is older than you, so you're allowed to wear that jersey in perpetuity. But if the player is oh, younger yeah. than you, you cannot wear that. You cannot wear that jersey. So yeah, I'm, I'm, totally I'm, I can wear way. a David Price or a Dansby Swanson jersey. You will simply not see me in an Enrique Bradfield jersey. So that that's a rule based on nothing. I don't even know it. Like if that if that. No, I, know, I think you guys sense, are in the majority. But... Like whenever it comes to this, like <laughs> I I very much like I've told this to people and they're like, "Dude, you're a freaking weirdo." But like I have a Jalen Hurts jersey and Jalen Hurts is younger than me. And I, I like, I, like my Titans go to jersey is a Steve McNair jersey, which you know has some has some other stuff. But the Steve yeah, McNair jersey is the go to for me, or like a Shane Foster, like a Jay Cutler jersey is yeah. the customized. I think that was a discussion they were having. Actually, if we want to transition this to baseball at all, 
but they were yeah. having the discussion of like what player's jersey and number is the significant one at, at each university because they were talking about yes, the Bo Jackson we had jersey. On, we had a, on Twitter. It's yeah. Dansby Network, Swanson. Yeah. It's Dansby Swanson. <clears throat> Right, I think it. I think it depends on who you ask. Like, it's like, not like see, I, I maybe David Price. I, no, but his. It's it's not a discussion of the most impactful player. No, it's no, no. Like I think the number the jersey. 14, like the I think number. the number fourteen but, is like the most synonymous in Vanderbilt baseball. See, I think it's, it's hard seven. with Vandy though. I'm, it, I'm more of a casual. Like I'm a diehard baseball compared to a normal person, but I'm more of a casual compared to you guys when it comes to baseball. And to me, it's not close. Like when you're talking to people that are not Vanderbilt baseball fans well do you they think see, that has to do with I, the atlanta braves connection too it it does I, that's maybe a big part but of it. it's but it's the part he won a championship he was like yeah. a part of the real vandy boys revolution which was on instagram i mean he was the face of that so when i would wear the dansby swanson jersey that i currently cannot find and was trying to wear for this podcast uh like downtown for any reason you immediately get stopped by so many people that are like, that's a great jersey. That's an awesome mm-hmm. jersey. I don't think you would have that same impact with the Price jersey, not because David Price wasn't an incredibly well-known name and still isn't, but because just he's not as synonymous and recent with the success and growth of NL and baseball. The SEC network cameras during the Vandy A&M championship game, they panned over down to Murray Harris wearing the number seven black Dansby Swanson jersey with the gold number seven. So – uh, that I think that I agree. Will I, I think it's Dansby barely. Trevor's if, angry. If, if, he doesn't like that. I, I think I think <laughs> it's, I think it's Price, the but then I think a big. very close second is Dansby. But like, if people were to say Price number one, like it's so, I, I it's don't close. like disagree. I don't disagree enough to be like, no, you're wrong. Now, if somebody said like number two, Sunny Gray, and I love Sunny, be wrong. I'd be like, yeah. eh, I think you're wrong. Um. We got Nash Vegas on Twitter. I have an autographed Corbin number four jersey, and I wore it once in Omaha and felt so stupid. <laughs> Never again. V- Vandy Fanatic VU says odd take. I don't think people like my grown men in jerseys take, but I I understand. It's <laughs> the it's retro jersey can forever stay. Like I if think if it's if it's a throwback, it's it's forever if, allowed if, to be worn. If you're like a thirty year old man and you want to wear a CJ Taylor jersey, I think it's sick. Go right ahead, bro. <laughs> Difference. I'm going to be that guy. Spectrums. I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> but we can all agree that in the other sports, and regardless of sport, I think it's Jay Cutler, the number six, and then 32, oh, Shane Foss. By far. Those are obvious. Yeah. There's yes. no debate yeah. on yeah. those. Okay. So yeah. to clarify. I mean, those. No, yeah, those aren't far. even close for being yeah. for debate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, you ready for baseball? Let's, uh, let's get to the Vandy Boys SEC title. On Sunday, Vandy won its fourth SEC tournament title in program history with a dominant 10-4 to win over Texas A&M. Third title under Tim Corbin. They're the first four seeds since 2015 to win the title. And guys, their tournament record under Corbin, 45-27, and which is unbelievable. He, he matched Ron Polk for the most wins in the tournament at a single school. Um, Trev, I mean, this is a fairly low-scoring game until Vandy broke it open in the eighth. They scored five runs as Texas A&M went through four pitchers. I mean, they were on yeah. their sixth game in six days. Vandy was on their fifth game in that five days. That was pissing me off, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, Trevor, towards the end of the ball game, like, I was like, freaking stop. Yeah. Yeah, so A&M was rolling through pitchers. Vandy finally broke it out late with Calvin Hewitt's uh, base knock. Uh, Trev, I got to break out of the room real quick, talk to somebody. So, give us your thoughts yeah. <laughs> on that game. I'll be I'll be right back. Perfect. I'll, so, while Billy's Uh-oh. gone, I, I won't just talk about – 
Are we break? Are we about to break news? I don't know. That's just me joking. I have no idea what his phone call is. It's probably work. Um, I think I think the the championship game was big. I, going in, I think everybody expected Vanderbilt to win, even though the pitching was like really, really like thin. I think the biggest game of the entire tournament is is no doubt the, the second Florida game. That was that was a game that I think we all went into. And I mean, I remember in the door report group chat, like whenever that game was coming up, like we were all like, well, it was a good run, boys. Let's focus on the regional. And it they somehow came out and, and had a had a I mean, killed them, really. It like, was the only I, game of the tournament, Trevor. It was the I don't want to break your train of thought, but no, it was yeah. the only game of the tournament. Vanderbilt was an underdog on the gambling apps beforehand. I think I got Vanderbilt at like plus really? 112, plus, plus 112, plus 118. Oh, uh, the okay. spreads are pretty pretty big on the money line in, in okay. college baseball. Like I think Florida was minus 154, and Vanderbilt yeah. was like plus 118, and I put a few bucks down on Vanderbilt, and it actually paid off for once. But can I disagree with you in a very positive way? Because I'm not uh-huh. saying you're wrong. I, I think the biggest game was that Alabama game, was the elimination game versus Bama yeah. that they dominated. Because that easily could have been the game that they had that attitude that you were talking about. That's like that could have been a very uh, much we like lost, we lost game. more. Yeah, we lost more at our full strength again to Florida. Uh, we, you know, let's rest up. We're probably by not going to and barbecue sealed up uh, a host site game. I mean, yeah. and we'll be hosting a super. Eh, let's just pack it in. They came out and dominated yeah. Bama. So I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, that was by far the toughest game because they were, it was the only one yeah. they were an underdog in. But that Alabama game could have easily been one of those, you know, uninspired performances that that's easy in a tournament like this. Well, and two, and and we've seen, I wouldn't say the whole season, but definitely post Tennessee series, we've seen a very like Jekyll and Hyde Vanderbilt baseball team. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I sort of, even though they came off that big series win against Arkansas, I sort of felt like, and I think a lot of fans did. Um, and if you didn't feel this way, please tap in and say this. But you were probably going to get that sort of Jekyll and Hyde Vanderbilt in the tournament. And I guess you, you can kind of say you got a little bit of it whenever you lost that first Florida game. But really, like Vanderbilt, you they had a great tournament, obviously, because they won the championship. But whenever you look at it from a game-by-game basis, like particularly that Florida game, the second one, that really was a total domination game. Like mm-hmm. I know Florida got some late runs and like – kind of made it scary because they're Florida, but like it was it Vanderbilt had it the whole time from the first inning on, like they had it. And so going into that Texas A&M game, I mean, I mean, they just put, they just put it together. And I think, I think the biggest thing about this series, and I think, I don't want to, I don't want to like diminish the championship at all, but like if Vanderbilt after that Florida the second Florida game, if Vanderbilt had lost that second Florida game, I think everybody would have been like, nah, like, okay, like let's just focus on the regional. I I think the one thing that you cannot overlook, and I feel like I harp on it every week, but I think in sports, I think it's the most important, one of the most important things is is just momentum. Like getting that championship, getting on a run, like that's something that you can't like quantify and i saw somebody mm-hmm. on twitter say the momentum in sports is the most overrated thing i absolutely 110 percent disagree i think mm-hmm. it is the most underrated like momentum in sports is the greatest equalizer it's not scheme mm-hmm. it's not 
whatever it's about coaching momentum is the greatest equalizer i think and vanderbilt has it trevor me and you are always numbers guys we're always talking about numbers i think for a lot more and that's where we come from because you're a baseball guy and i just love the data but one of my biggest gripes with the numbers is the idea of the hot hand fallacy is the Mm -hmm. idea that somebody has hit a shot or they've had a good performance and that momentum is going to carry on to their next shot or their next performance and in the data how people analyze it that is shown as that's actually not true and just the overall numbers hold true for the next one. I completely disagree with that in every single way. And the yeah. only people that really argue that momentum is overrated are people that have never played sports before and have yeah. never felt yes. the yes. locker room and have never felt the momentum of a team and have never played basketball or baseball and felt that in the zone feeling where the hoop is, you know, 10 feet wide. And every time yep. you shoot the ball coming out of your the hand, feels like there's like a, a magnet. Volleyball. Yeah, there's yeah. a magnet in the back of the rim that's sucking in every single shot that you shoot. That's a real thing. And there are sometimes that teams are playing well together. Practice is going smooth. I mean, guys are just absolutely flowing. So that's a real thing. And mm-hmm. you asked, I think we talked about it, that does this team really care about the SEC tournament? And you ask, what can you really gain from the SEC tournament? How much consideration? You can gain momentum. Because how we were talking about this team before the tournament is the absolute opposite of how we were talking about this team right now. I mean, the vibes are some. I think they also gained some spots in terms Mm -hmm. of regional seeding as well. Say at least Um, one, probably. Yeah, maybe two. Mm -hmm. It was probably one, but because I was very negative on the team going into the tournament. It's probably one, but... But number, but number two in the tournament, Billy, are you muted? I think oh, the most yeah, overvalued, muted. yeah, the most undervalued part of this is in when you take a step back, which I like to try to do on occasion because I can get really caught up in the in the moment to moment. This team will now always be remembered as the team that won the SEC tournament, regardless of how this mm-hmm. NCAA tournament goes. Obviously, the goal for Vanderbilt baseball is to win an NCAA championship. That's what you want. You want to make yeah. it to Omaha, but regardless. No one can take away this SEC championship away from this team. Mm-hmm. In 10 years, it's not going to happen, obviously, with the renovations at the Hawk and the renderings. Tim Corbin's not going anywhere. The trajectory's high. But if things yeah. fall apart, this Vanderbilt team still won the SEC baseball championship. So I don't want to diminish that by saying, all right, now let's focus on the thing we all actually care about. Because regardless, this is a goal that this team has at the beginning of the season. Let's win an SEC championship. Yeah. And they went out and did it. And that's not an easy thing to do. A lot of times they discuss, is that harder to do than to make it to Omaha potentially? So congratulations to this Vandy boys team. I just don't want to completely step over that accomplishment. Yeah, It it felt like they really did have something to prove. Like they had some unfinished business after the SEC regular season. You know, they came off that Alabama series loss then they lost to Florida. They got swept by Florida in Gainesville, but they come around, they turn around at home and win a series against the number two team in the country, Arkansas. And they had all that talk about momentum. That was momentum. And they carried that into the SEC tournament. And all of a sudden, you look at this team and you're thinking about them differently after the SEC tournament title than you were just a week before. You know, even after that Arkansas series, it was like, I think this team, I'd love to see them do a little bit more in the SEC tournament. And they ended up winning it. So momentum is a real thing. I mean, that last game against A&M, guys, you had guys up and down the lineup producing. Parker Noland and Chris Maldonado, both all – 
uh, both had three hits. Uh, Enrique Bradfield, R.J. Austin, and Troll and Eve had two hits. Um, Vandy won six of their last seven games against five different SEC teams, and four of them are hosting regionals, mm-hmm. Arkansas, Auburn, Alabama, and Florida. So it's not like they they ran through you know the bottom of that tournament. I mean, they beat yeah. Alabama, who was the, arguably the hottest team in the country. They beat a Florida team that they hadn't beaten in four tries. Right in that fifth Florida game, you know, RJ Shrek after that first loss in the tournament to Florida said it's hard to beat a team five times. Well, it felt like a joke when he was saying that. I mean, yeah. that's what BT Ryapel said after the game against Vandy when they lost. He said, It's hard to beat a team five times, especially a program that Tim Corbin has built. So I mean, it 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 can be hard to beat a team five times. The SEC is is a gauntlet. I I mean, it, it's 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 hard to beat. I mean, for for Tennessee, the seven seed. They lost that first day, lost to AM. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's just it's not easy. Um, but guys, RJ Austin, tournament MVP, and he deserved it. I, I tweeted that um and said he deserves to be the tournament MVP, and he was. I mean, the guy was on a tear. And Tim Corbin did a radio interview with I think it was 1025 the game. <laughs> Willie Donick had asked him a question, and uh, Corbin talked about how upset R.J. Austin was after that first game against Arkansas. He made like three errors. He wasn't hitting the ball well. And he said he started crying. And like a- after that Arkansas game, I guess it was in their bunker. And Corbin, you know, just said, hey, let's get back tomorrow and, and play ball. And R.J. Austin's a totally different player in the okay. SEC tournament. And then Troy Laneve. I mean, what a spark he what provided! What a moonshot that home that's run the, was! That's oh the my farthest, god! That's the farthest ball I've ever seen hit there. I, I was I was there when Blake Burke hit one, like halfway up those trees. But Laniz was was even deeper. Yeah. I mean, that, that it, it was still carrying. Yeah, and it's deep out there. I mean, it's three thirty-five and right. It was halfway up the damn pine trees up there. I mean, it was yeah. ridiculous. Just a moonshot. And so if you can get Laniz hitting like that, R.J. Austin, and it's perfect, guys. They, they they jump right back into this regional. I mean, they've got the momentum. I want to talk about that, Billy. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that. Um, especially on the backdrop of, of such a slump that R.J. Shrek has been in. Mm-hmm. How good it is to get those young guys back and hot. You even saw flashes from uh from little Maldonado this weekend starting to yep. sort of get his groove back. Obviously, RJ Austin was the hottest bat in the entire tournament. Troy Laneve, you're getting um some really good, some really good at bats from uh whether he's starting or whether he's coming off the bench. But I, this team, it whenever RJ Shrek, and I think too, I think they brought it up in the broadcast, and I agree. I think since guys like Maldonado, since guys like Austin were in such a slump, Bradfield, Bradfield couldn't get on base to save his life for a little bit, it felt like. Mm-hmm. It sort of seemed like maybe RJ Shrek was pressing because he's like, okay, like we got to get something going. And he was sort of like pressing too hard at the plate and sort of forced himself to get into a slump. One of the best things for this Vandy Boys team is to keep those, I don't want to call them supporting supporting cast but mm-hmm. to get them going definitely takes a load off rj shrek who's your most powerful bat in the lineup oh yeah um, yeah so getting those guys i think I, I don't think you can overstate how important that is and how about the pitching too i mean for a guy like yeah. jd thompson to step up in that championship game or no that was the florida game he pitched against florida 
I mean, the kid pitched. He had like three strikeouts in the first couple innings. I think it might have been four. I mean, it's not like he was dominating by any means, but I mean, he got in there, got the team off to a good start, and that's that's what they needed. The pitchers just played their role as they sort yep. of pieced it together. I mean, I thought Thomas Schultz pitched a lot better. Patrick Riley. Patrick yeah, Riley's Patrick, God out of the pen. Patrick like, just, Riley. There's no other way to say it. He's a Mustang out of the pen, but as a starter, yep. he's a rundown Chevy, like yeah. 1985 <laughs> Chevy that struggles to run. Like it hasn't had it's, a, hasn't had oil change since 1992. It's it's crazy. It it, it really is. So we we got some questions about the regional, uh, but again, Vanderbilt wins their fourth SEC tournament title, their third under Tim Corbin, and he keeps rolling in the SEC tournament. Uh, so again, congratulations to the Vandy boys. Uh, we're getting short on time. So I'm going to do this, guys. We're going to talk a little bit about the regional matchups. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the renovations. Again, to kind of cap it out, I know we touched a lot about them already. But Nashville Regional, this weekend, Vanderbilt and Eastern Illinois on Friday night, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. And then you've got at 2 o'clock earlier on Friday, Xavier and Oregon, all four of these teams, guys, won their conference tournaments. So they're playing well coming into this weekend. They're paired with the Stillwater Regional. Oklahoma State is on the other side in that regional as the 11 national seed. Uh, usual Saturday starter Hunter Owen and bullpen guy Ryan Ginther, they're both expected to be available this weekend. We had a question about the the status of those injured pitchers. That's the, that's the update. That's what Tim Corbin said. He's going to have another availability tomorrow, so we'll see what he updates uh, there, but no, still no status update with Carter Holton. I mean, he's he's not going to go. Uh, I, I doubt. Again, we see him this season, which is sad. But we also got a question about Eastern Illinois, and Trev, this Eastern Illinois matchup. This is a good team. They've got a kid yeah. number seven, Ryan Ignafo. He's a first baseman. He also DHs, and he's a right-handed pitcher. He's in his fifth year. He's a career three forty-eight hitter. He's got thirty-six career home runs for EIU. Back to back seasons with double digit home runs. This year, he's also pitched a lot. He's got four saves in 18 mm-hmm. appearances, and three of those came in the OVC tournament last weekend. So, Eastern Illinois, somebody asked about the matchup. That's a good four seed. I mean, there yeah. is not, there's not an easy regional. Like, usually you see some softer regionals. It's like every regional is competitive, and this is going to be another competitive regional. Um, EIU's pitching staff, they've been good this year. They're, they've got a 477 team ERA. Um, they're only limiting opponents to 20 runs during their run in the OVC tournament. And uh, they got a guy, Zane Robbins. He's their go-to arm out of the pen. He's got seven saves. So it's not its not going to be easy on Friday. Now, Vanderbilt, is, they've no. got the advantage. It'll be interesting to see who pitches. Who do they go yeah. with on Friday, Trev? I mean, that, that's thats going to be another question. Do you start with, with Hunter Owen? Do you start with Futrell? Do you go with a bullpen guy? Where, where do you go? Am I okay? Am I crazy to say you go with a bullpen guy? Like, I, the, I don't does think that so. sound crazy? Because I, I kind of feel crazy when I say that, but like, I think that's the move. I, I would agree because they've, they've, they've gone with it before. And I know it's the postseason, I know it's a regional, but I mean, that's what they've done in replacement of Carter Holton. I know they started Patrick Riley. Sam Laboki would be my pick. I was going to ask, do you go with the Sam Laboki, Patrick Riley duo? Now, the only thing is, let's say stuff goes haywire. Um, you end up winning that game, but you've burned Laboki and Riley going into, let's say, uh, Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it all. It. I don't know if. 
how to weigh that risk. But somebody I'll say said, this. go ahead. Somebody said you have to win game one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jacob yeah. Scholl said Ginther on Friday. That that's that's a that would be a good option. I don't hate, but that. you have to go in to the Eastern Illinois game. Shout out to the OVC. Uh, that's the conference that mm-hmm. they won. They beat my Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles on the way to a championship. But you do have to win game one. But let's just keep in mind, regardless of quality of player, this Eastern Illinois team is obviously very good. But let's just keep in mind they've played three games first the RPI top 50 all season. Vanderbilt has played 24 games against the RPI top 25. So all of this in baseball especially is so jaded by the level of competition yeah. that they're playing against. I mean, the strength of schedule for EIU was 288. So yeah. there, you, that's the Tim Corbin balancing act. I understand and usually have that mindset going in, but when the competition level is so different than Oregon or Xavier, regardless, I, I think you do have to really weigh that option with where Vanderbilt starting pitchers are more than you usually do. because mm-hmm. and And you said, Billy, that there's not an easier regional I would say Oregon's a pretty light two seed. Yeah, this might be on they, the softer side. Yeah, they, yeah. While EIU is a very solid four, and Lipscomb is Lipscomb's uh, travel logistics department is very mm-hmm. angry at the NCAA selection yeah. committee at that because I don't know if they forgot Lipscomb is also in Nashville. Would have simplified a lot of things, but yeah. EIU's coming to town. But I would say the middle of this region is is about as good as Vandy could hope for. Yeah, in mm-hmm. all honesty. I wanna- I would, Regardless of the momentum they may have gained from all winning their conference tournaments, which we just talked about as being so important. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Will. I do want to run through Eastern Illinois' team stats. I've got D1 baseball pulled up just to sort of show you, like, what sort of competition Vanderbilt's going up against. Now, obviously, entire, like, team hole stats don't tell the whole picture, but I think it can. Like Will said, 286th strength of schedule, RPI of 114th, and conference, they were 19 and 12. Um Home runs as a team, they have 58. That's 148th in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Weighted runs created plus, they're at 108. That's actually not too terrible. Um, Vanderbilt is at 102. Strikeout percentage, 18% compared to Vanderbilt's 25.6. And their team, as Billy said, ERA, 4.78. Vanderbilt's 4.29. Now, with that being said, the numbers might be a little close, but as we all know, the competition is way more stout for Vanderbilt. So mm-hmm. take these with a take these with a grain of salt. But like they said, don't want to sleep on them. They did win their conference, um, but OVC such- OVC is a little bit of a decent conference as yeah. well. I, I'm going to give the Golden Eagles a little bit of a shout sport. out. It wasn't that long ago that the Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles won their regional. And had Texas yeah. down 1-0 in the super regional. So yeah, yes. the OVC isn't bottom of the barrel when it comes to no. baseball no. conferences. Traditionally, not saying they're a great conference, but it's I mean this, this EIU team was 24 and 8 out of conference. Now yeah. in and non-conference a very play, stable sport. Yeah, they didn't have a, a killer competitive non-conference schedule. According to D1 baseball, their non-conference strength of schedule was 297th in the country. But they did go twenty four and eight outside of the OVC. So yeah, it, they're they're in postseason play. They won the tournament. They're a good baseball team. That being said, how much weight do you put into that, and how much do you look forward 
to the rest of this regional verse right yeah. now with the thinness that Vanderbilt kind of faces. You mentioned yeah. Oregon. Well, I do agree that they are a saw, little bit of a softer two seed. Um, they've got a really good offense, though. They've probably got the best offense in the regional. Uh, they're led by Drew Callie, Sabin Sabalos on the left side of their infield. They got a guy, Drew Smith, he's batting over 400. And they've got six other guys hitting 313 or better. So Oregon, again, their pitching might not be there, but they can hit the ball. And their left fielder, Tanner Smith, came out and said, the path to Omaha looks pretty good for us. So he, uh, he's he got it coming. The the goons out in left field will will be ready to roll for Tanner Smith. I mean, it, it, it's, you're going to have the Preds chance. What what do they do? They Tanner Smith, it's all your fault. We're going to get this chance going uh, for Tanner Smith. But Oregon's a, a, a solid team. Xavier at the three seed. Their season had ended each of the last two years by losing to UConn in the Big East tournament. They finally beat UConn in the Big East tournament. Um, and this is their first trip to the postseason since 2017. So they'll be ready to go. And uh, hopefully Vandy's ready to go as well. So, again, it'll start Friday, 7 o'clock, Vandy in Eastern Illinois. And then that Xavier-Oregon game is going to be fun. I wish I could go to it. Um, I'm going to try. I won't be able to go Saturday. But, again, we'll have, we're going to try to have a tailgate set up on Friday starting around 530. Uh, so join us out there. We're going to be in the lot across from Vandyville. We'll have a, probably have a tent set up. So we'll get more details out there on our Twitter, but come join us for the tailgate. Uh, guys, I'm running short on time. Let's get to a few more thoughts on the renovations for Hawkins Field. And I got the pictures pulled up in front of me. Just unbelievable. I mean, we talked about the fact that it, it feels too good to be true. It doesn't feel real. But I'm going to run through some of the details about what this renovation will include. You're going to have a second deck grandstand uh, in around the infield. Premium seating additions pretty much everywhere. Um, you're going to have a home run deck atop the left field wall, a 360 stadium experience. So you're, you're going to be able to, if you're in the infield, you want to go to the outfield, see what it's like out there, maybe buy a drink, get some popcorn. You can do that very easily. You can't do that now. You, you can't get to the outfield if you're sitting infield unless you sneak through you know, the Memorial Gym way. But you can't yeah. get there from right field. Um, new suites above the press box. The capacity will be increased to over 4,000. Um, and you've got those submerged home plate seats like they do with the sounds where they're basically at field level. So that'll be another suite availability. Um, and it's part of a $3.2 billion University Dare to Grow campaign. And I heard they're a little over $2, two billion right now already. So they're, they're almost to that goal. And the, I, I read that it's in the best spirit of neighborhood ballparks such as Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. So that's what it's going to sort of feel like in there. And Trev, I'm with you. It feels like this, I mean, these, this is going to be nicer than most major league ballparks. I mean, I, I couldn't so believe good. it. Watching that video, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, they, they, they said they were going to release it this week. I couldn't believe it. And so I guess final thoughts on those renovations. I know we got into it a little bit earlier before we wrap it up. Trev, it still doesn't feel real. <laughs> it still doesn't feel Thank real God right. they're increasing seating. Because God knows Hawkins needs it. Um, yeah. With that being said, like Billy said, goons left field this weekend. Pull up, come say hi. Oh God, I can't wait. Um, Man, but yeah, thank, thank God, increased seating. Like finally, like I'm. You're not gonna have to pay like a trillion dollars to go to a regional or just a Vanderbilt Tennessee home series. Uh, but I mean, dear God, they look beautiful. Like. 
there, there's no other way to say it. They look beautiful. The glass, the see-through, the, the behind-the-home plate, sweet on top of the monster. I mean, it looks awesome. And it's still right there. Like, they're not picking it up and moving it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just it, – it keeps that, like, old Vanderbilt feel to it that you really love. And, Will, I saw a lot of people on Twitter that were other fans of SEC schools, and they were like, man, this is damn cool. Like, you've got a lot of people that are looking at these, recognizing it, going, man, th- this is awesome. Like, I'm looking forward to I feel like that first year of this park opening, you'll see a lot of people that may not be Vandy fans. They just want to go check out the park. It's like you with the soccer stadium. Well, you may not be a soccer fan. Go check it out because it's a, it's a badass park. I mean, the renderings look incredible. And those, those tickets on top of the home run deck are going to be mm-hmm. tough to get. I would say yes. yeah, I saw a lot of people already on Twitter saying that they would be paying whatever it costs to get the season tickets on top of that. That's been long overdue. Incredible job addressing the basic fixes that Vanderbilt fans have been clamoring for for years. Like I hit immediately on the Vanderbilt banner cover up of that connection to the mm-hmm. stadium. I saw a lot of people tweeting about that. That has always bothered me from the time I've been going to Vanderbilt games as a child. I've never understood why that was just open right there at -hmm. minimal cost. And then they tacked on, you know, some of the coolest additions I've ever seen to a college baseball stadium in the middle of downtown Nashville. Everything about the renderings and the video were done very well. And I'm not often just kind of glowing at the release of plans and projects, but it's hard not to be glowing right now. So I'm just going to continue to take this win where it comes and just keep going with the flow and, it's nice to like believe in eighty in, in an administration, and they pull through and continue yep. to impress. And it's you're not uh, being made a fool by sounding like a bootlicker by claiming the administration <laughs> has some things in the works in the background, like we'd kind of been doing on this podcast the last <laughs> year or so. Uh, I think we've gotten a little bit of flack for saying chill out a little bit, even though we're like the least chill podcast on the planet. <laughs> so some of these things that they've been working on, I mean, these are not projects that were done in a week or a month these have been cooking in the background for a for Mm -hmm. a while and the fact that we haven't really heard that many murmurs or rumors about this happening is pretty incredible and then they just pop out with this incredible video and and roll out of these plans so i'm i'm excited i think it's going to draw in even more fans to hawkins field and it's always nice to draw attention to your successful your most successful program right after they win an sec championship to say hey by the way we're going to create one of the coolest baseball environments in all of college baseball. And we mm-hmm. already have a damn cool one. Uh, I saw a lot of comments that said, are they finally going to do this and get rid of the whistler? And I know that always gets Trevor. Screw you guys. They just, <laughs> these guys just hate sports. That's, that's all. They, that's all. they. Do. I, I, I rant on it on Is Twitter. He... And I don't, I don't want to like do it on the pod, but like, do you ever people whistle it? They're like, Oh, well his whistling grow up loud. Dude, bring some earplugs. Like, I don't know. Like being an is, adult, like it's a ball game. Like, is he Tennessee- really that annoying? Like, I, I, I mean, I, I've been to games, and yeah, the people that cowbells, around, like the stupid Missouri M I Z Z O U, like uh, South Carolina is literally like their whole thing is like go Cox, but like you go can't Cox. like a guy like also too like it's it's the fan base is like Tennessee like oh the whistlers 
terrible, bad for sports. But these guys like glorify like filling up balloons full of piss and throwing them on Florida fans in the nineties. Like there's a Tennessee who, fan. Like, I don't know who you Tennessee know fans you glorify the color orange that is only utilized in any other way is the literal color of orange jumpsuits of uh penitentiary residents. So yeah. that's there's the a, color that they chose and love to wear around. So their judgment is not always something uh that I've used valid. There's literally a Tennessee fan that shows up to football games with a squirrel dressed in a Tennessee football helmet because they yeah, have a, a player named Squirrel White. Like, yeah. I mean, that's not annoying. Like, you've got a squirrel in your stadium. Yeah. But I guess it's because you've got 100,000 of them like that. But, yeah. no, so the renovations are here. <laughs> the renovations are here. And, yo, have a week, Vandy boys. You won the SEC title. And then you announced the nicest college baseball stadium in the country – Stay hot, Candace. Like, stay hot. Keep it rolling. What's the next next piece of good news? Tyron Lawrence, Vandy winning a regional. Um, so again, I'm I'm short on time, but that'll do it for an ep- another episode of the Door Report. We'll see y'all Friday tailgate five thirty. A lot across from Vandyville. Be there, be square. Join the goons in left field, everybody. We'll see you then. Violence, 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 violence. <laughs>